I wish the coronavirus was not real. You know, there, there have been days when we were gone that I thought I was dreaming and that I would wake up and discover that it was all a dream and that life would be back to normal. It's been so disrupting, let alone the many who have lost their life. The threat of this virus is not a dream, and wishing it away does not make it go away. You know, it reminds me of the serenity prayer, particularly the line that says, God, help me to accept life as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right in the end. You know, God, help me to accept life as it is. With coronaviruses, viruses that mutate and pose new dangers, with tsunamis and hurricanes, tornadoes, doctor reports that have identified a lump or a mass growing inside. God, help me to accept life as it is, not as I would have it. I want you to see the cover on the screen of the World Magazine that just came this week. This looks an ominous picture, uh, like something from a sci-fi movie. But it was taken, not even in a hospital or a laboratory, but somebody walking across the Brooklyn Bridge. And the title at the bottom, Staring Down Disaster. Staring Down Disaster. If the coronavirus is not a dream, it's reality, and wishing does not make viruses go away, how in the world do I stare it down? or any disaster, or disappointment, or challenge. You can stare down a disaster by rehearsing what you know about the future. What you believe about the future shapes your perspective today. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about to help you understand. Two women working in a factory assembling widgets. They have the very same job. They have the same ability and length of time on the job, the same skills. There's only one difference. One is promised $10,000 and the other $10 million. What they know about the future is going to impact their perspective about the job. It's going to influence how they go about it. It influences the work. The future shapes your perspective of today. You stare down a disaster by rehearsing what we know about the future. God in 1 Corinthians 50 to 58 gives us a great window, what we can rehearse to help us in staring down a disaster such as the coronavirus or other challenges you may have in your life of different magnitudes. The first seven verses tells us what we know about the future, that death has been swallowed up, and the second thing we see in that section of Scripture, death has lost its sting. And in verse 58, in light of knowing that about the future, 58 gives us how we are to respond, what our response should be. So let's take a look there, verses 50. Join me there, grab your Bibles or look on the screen. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery, something that was um, not as revealed, not as clearly known, is now going to be unveiled. 
And it says, I tell your mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. We will not all sleep, often in scripture used for death. Not all will die. But in verse 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. There will be this audible blast, this noise, the trumpet, signaling that God is going to consummate his redemptive plan for this historical period and bring it to a close. And there will be this resurrection where the imperishable will be changed. See, so some will be uh, dead in the grave, will be raised. Their perishable bodies are in the grave. They will be raised imperishable. Others will be alive when this happens. But one thing that is true of all humanity, they will be changed. Where the perishable will become imperishable. Verse 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. See, we have perishable bodies. There is an expiration date stamped on it. Some live out a full life to the end where the life uh, comes out of the body. It's depleted. They perish. Others die prematurely, accidents. It demonstrates that they are mortal. Uh, uh, Disease or infants who who die early, they're mortal. The The perishable... The mortal will be raised, imperishable and immortal. Verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up. It doesn't say the elimination of death. It's telling us that death has been swallowed up. Uh, Pretend you have a pot of broccoli on your table. Uh, A little butter on it to make it a little more attractive, perhaps. And you want to get rid of this broccoli. You have two choices. You can throw it out in the garbage can or you can chew it up and you can swallow it. And by chewing it up and swallowing it, you reap the benefits of those vitamins that are contained therein. We are not to deny death. We are not to try to wish it away, but to accept life as it is to learn to stare it down, to chew it up and to actually swallow it. You know, the ancient uh, church fathers used to call this making death your servant. They did not look at death as apprehensively as we do in our Western culture, in a secular society with science. They embrace an understanding of the resurrection. They looked at death with far greater courage. Listen to some of the things they said about how you go about making uh, death your servant, and in so doing, you're swallowing it up. Climactus, 
said you cannot pass a day devoutly unless you think of it as your last. The thought of the thought of death is to most essential. The thought of death is to most essential of all works and a gift from God. Thomas Kempis said, Happy is he that always hath the hour of his death before his eyes, and daily prepareth himself to die. Be thou therefore always in a readiness, and so lead thy life that death may never take thee unprepared. See, these folks did not view death like we do, where we try to keep it arm's length away. In the ancient world of the early church, they viewed death differently. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of their own imperishable bodies that would be raised, their own immortal bodies, allowed them to stare death in the face and make it their servant. It taught them how to live today. They swallowed death by turning a negative into a positive. Uh, verse 55 tells us not only swallowing uh, death, but where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? You know, the word for sting does not just incorporate the bite, the penetration of the skin but it also includes the poison that is contained within the bite that gets injected into the body and starts to permeate itself throughout. Where is the poison? Death. It's been eradicated. It tells us in verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Sin is the poison because sin separates. Sin keeps you from what you want the most, to love and to be loved, to be loved by a loving Heavenly Father, and to love in return and one another. Sin separates you from that. Your sin poisons you and keeps you from what you want most. The power of sin is a law, it tells us. And the power of sin is the law. The law reveals our sin. It confronts us. The law tells us that we are guilty. It informs, it educates, it reveals on the outside what is true on the inside. While on our road trip for three months, uh, we were driving down in the south San Diego area on an expressway, and I saw these signs saying, hey, coming up is a toll platform. Well, uh, I'm used to toll booths, booths, with people standing inside ready to take your money. To make a long story short, I did not pay the toll because there was no booth with a person standing in it. Well, they got a picture of my trailer and the license, and they sent me a notice in the mail. By the time I got home, so much time had lapsed, I was cited for traffic evasion. And my ticket, or the actual cost of driving this little section, which would have been somewhere between $6 and $11, is now over $100. Now, they got the picture of the trailer license plate and cross-referenced it and realized who owned it and 
the computer generated a letter and sent it to me telling me I was in violation. Now, the computer does not care that I'm not used to what they call these uh, um, uh, toll platforms, uh, but I'm used to a toll booth. The computer does not care that I didn't think it would be safe stopping on this exit ramp, uh, getting out or at least rolling down the window using my credit card and trying to figure out the system to make a payment. The computer did not care that I did go online and I tried to make the payment afterwards. The computer did not care that I did not get my mail notifying me of this violation and fine till two months after the event. Consequently, it became an evasion. The computer, you know, I, I wrote the computer a letter trying to explain all these things, but the computer was doing what computers do, inform, inform me. Well, I don't want you to think I'm a lawbreaker. Thankfully, a person did read my, my note with the check, so they knew I wasn't trying to evade, and they realized what I did was cross-reference using my truck license plate, not my trailer. So they couldn't see that I had indeed gone online and tried to make payment. The person read the letter and did the work, and as a result, my violation was waived. My violation was waived. I was guilty. I did not pay. But thankfully, that $100 fine was waived. If we go by the computer, or if we go by the law, we are guilty. Thankfully, God has provided a way for us to appeal. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin separates, but God has provided a way. That scripture tells us in Revelation that now, in the end, with our imperishable and our immortal bodies, the future God will dwell with us. We will no longer be separated. So with these two things we know about the future, it is to help us stare down disasters. Look at verse 58, how we are to go about this. Therefore, in light of what you know about the future, therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The resurrection of Jesus Christ reveals something different about the future than what they previously believed. They believed in the, uh, the uh, resurrection, but they thought the body was bad or evil. And the resurrection was to free the soul from the body. And here, the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and his teaching about their own imperishable bodies and immortal gave them great confidence. We see that how the disciples go from being uh, timid and, and afraid prior to the resurrection, where they scatter when the soldiers come to take Jesus away, or Peter denies Christ in the courtyard 
to being bold and courageous to the point of facing down persecution and martyrdom. We see that in the early church as well. Historically, uh, when they were in Rome and plagues would come and people would flee to the mountains, leaving behind the sick and the elderly, sometimes even the infants, out of fear for their own lives. But it was often historically recorded that Christians would stay behind to minister to these vulnerable populations because they knew the promise of the future provides for them an imperishable body and immortal. I like what one person said, that uh, death, let me get my notes here, death sting, is stingless. You will die, but it won't kill you. Death is stingless. Stingless. You will die, but it won't kill you. Rehearsing what we know about the future can help you stare down the likes of coronavirus along with any other potential disaster because it's not the end. This does not mean we can be careless and cavalier in how we practice good public health. The reason I think it is important to practice good common sense public health is because we have folks all around us on both sides, how they respond to this. For some, they have no regard. And for others, they will not even go out in public. Your responsiveness as a member of our country, of our community, provides a platform to tell people, you know, you may escape the coronavirus, but you will not escape that your body is perishable and mortal. But let me tell you about the promise of an imperishable, an immortal body. And having that, how it will help you stare down a disaster. Let's encourage each other to stay focused in this time so that we can offer something that goes beyond this body to the community and those in our sphere of influence. Join me in prayer. Father, we often are so attached to these bodies, we forget the future promise. God, help us uh, um, to stay focused, to remind each other, to look ahead to what Scripture reveals, not only for our own peace, but that we can be uh, servants, ministers of the gospel to those around, in tangible ways that their hope will exceed this earthly body, Lord. God, thank you that you have given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That death has been swallowed up and the sting was taken upon Jesus Christ on our behalf. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.